Well, if we could, uh, this evening, with the Lord's help and the Lord's enabling, if we could turn back to that first portion of Scripture that we read in the book of Exodus and chapter 26. Exodus chapter 26 And if we just read again at verse 31. Exodus 26 at verse 31. And you shall make a veil of blue and purple and scarlet yarns and fine twined linen. It shall be made with cherubim, skillfully worked into it. And you shall hang it on four pillars of acacia, overlaid with gold, with hooks of gold, on four bases of silver. So this evening we come to stand before the veil of the tabernacle. And as you know, it's this veil that separates sinful mankind from the glorious presence of their holy God. Because on the other side of this veil that you can see, on the other side of this veil stands the Ark of the Covenant, which is the symbol of God's presence among his people. But you know, as we've studied the tabernacle over the over the past number of weeks, with all its, we've looked at its structure and its, all its furniture, we've always been motioning towards this veil. We are sinners who are seeking favour, forgiveness and fellowship with our great God. And now we stand before this veil, along with, with all the other items of, of the furniture in the tabernacle, and they're all pointing us to Jesus Christ. It's all pointing us to Jesus. He is the word who became flesh. He is the one who dwelt among us. He is the one who tabernacled among us all so that we might behold his glory. The glory on the other side of this veil. He is Jesus, our tabernacle. And over the past number of weeks, we've been making our way towards this veil. We've walked around the perimeter of the white cloth surrounding the tabernacle courtyard. <clears throat> and as you know, that perimeter, it leads us all the way around to the outer gate. Then we entered through that entrance into the tabernacle courtyard because it was the only entrance. We can't approach God any other way except through the outer gate. There's only one way to God, and that's through Jesus, our tabernacle. And on entering into the tabernacle courtyard, we saw the altar of sacrifice that reminds us about our justification. Then we came to the bronze laver that reminds us about our sanctification. Then we came to see the four, t four coverings of the tabernacle. Four coverings that point us to our one Christ. And then on entering into the tabernacle, into the holy place, under these four coverings, we're made to realise that we're in Christ. We're covered by Jesus, our tabernacle. We're in Christ. And as those who are in Christ, these three items of furniture in the holy place of the holy king, they remind us of what sinners receive when they are in Christ. When we looked at the golden lampstand, it was a golden tree reminding us that we have life and light because we are in Christ. When we considered the table of showbread, we learned that as those who are in Christ, we have the assurance of his presence and his provision because we're in Christ. And then we approached the altar of incense last week and we noted that it was an altar of purpose, an altar of prayer and an altar of promise. But now we've come all the way to this veil. And as we stand before this veil that separates sinful man from their holy God, I want us to see that 
We're being encouraged to consider three different aspects of this veil. Because we're being encouraged to consider the veil twined, the veil tabernacling, and the veil torn. The veil twined, the veil tabernacling, and the veil torn. Three different aspects of this veil. So first of all, the veil twined. The veil twined. We read about that in verse 31. Where the Lord says to Moses, You shall make a veil of blue and purple and scarlet yarns and fine twined linen. It shall be made with cherubim skillfully worked into it. And you shall hang on it, hang it on four pillars of acacia overlaid with gold, with hooks of gold on four bases of silver. And so this veil that was made of fine twined linen, it was to be suspended from four pillars made of acacia wood overlaid with gold and these pillars were to be supported by four bases of silver and as the Lord described to Moses this veil was to separate the holy place from the most holy place which was the holy of holies this veil was to make that distinct separation from the holy place of the holy king where uh, these items of furniture were the table of showbread the golden lampstand and the altar of incense And it was to make a distinction from the holy place, from the holy of holies, where the Ark of the Covenant dwelt within the veil. And of course, this veil was a constant reminder that mankind can only go so far towards their holy God, and then they must stop. Because as you know, no one was allowed within the veil. No one was allowed into the holy of holies except Aaron the high priest once a year. On the day of atonement. But you know what's frightening is that Aaron's two sons. His two sons. They died when they entered into the holy of holies. And offered strange fire to the Lord. And we're told that in Leviticus chapter 10. Aaron's sons Nadab and Abihu. They offered strange fire to the Lord. Which the Lord had not commanded. And the result was that we're told in Leviticus 10, fire came out from before the Lord and consumed them. And they died before the Lord. A reminder that God is holy. And you know, it must have been been awful for Aaron, losing both his sons on the same day. And he lost both of them because of their disobedience to the Lord. But you know what would have made it even harder as a father is that as, a high, as the high priest, Aaron would have to enter into the Holy of Holies through the veil. He would have to enter in every year and then stand in the place where his two sons had died. You know, that must have been very hard for a father. But you know, it was a constant reminder to the people that God is holy. He's not to be taken lightly. His word is not to be approached flippantly. And his worship must be carried out biblically. You know, my friend, our God is a holy king. And that was the message of the veil, that this twined veil. Our God is a holy king. But as we read, the veil was made from blue and purple and scarlet yarns and fine twined linen. And as you know, this was the same material that was used on the outer gate and also the inner covering of the tabernacle. 
and they were all made from blue and purple and scarlet yarns and fine twined linen. And as we said before, the colours of blue and purple and scarlet, they're all royal colours. And these colours, they were to remind the, the approaching sinner, they were to remind the worshipper that the one whom they sought forgiveness from and fellowship with, he was a holy king. He's the king of kings and he's the Lord of lords. Now, tradition tells us that the veil twined, it was the thickness of a man's hand, or a hand breadth thick, so about three or four inches. It was about three or four inches thick. And it was made from blue and purple and scarlet yarns and fine twined linen. And you'll notice that every time these royal colours are mentioned, every time they're mentioned in relation to the outer gate, or in relation to the inner covering of the tabernacle and now the veil, they're always mentioned in the same order. These three colours are mentioned in the same order. Blue, purple and scarlet. And of course together they're all royal colours. But when we consider them individually, we learn something more about this holy king. Because the colour blue was often associated with divinity. And this was because the skies and the heavens are blue. Sometimes, not today, but most of the time. The skies are blue. And therefore, a king in the ancient world would often wear blue, maybe on his robe or a part of his, his clothing. And he would wear blue because he was considered by his people to be divine. And as you know, pharaohs and emperors, they were worshipped because they claimed divinity. They claimed to be gods. And in a similar manner, the Lord, as the holy king over the Israelites, he was reminding his people that he's divine. Therefore, the color blue woven into the veil, this veil that was twined together, it reminded every worshipper that the king of kings and the Lord of lords, he is divine. And you know, what's interesting is that in Numbers chapter 4, we're told that when the Israelites would travel from place to place and they were moving towards uh, the promised land, they were traveling through the wilderness going towards the promised land. As they were traveling, all the furniture inside the tabernacle, so the golden lampstand, the altar of incense, the table of showbread and the Ark of the Covenant, all these items of furniture, they were to have this outer covering of blue. They were all to be covered with this blue cloth as they travelled through the wilderness. And it was to remind the Israelites and also to remind all the other nations that surrounded them and even saw them travelling. It was to remind them that Israel's king is divine and he is to be worshipped. The Lord is to be worshipped. And so the colour blue was often associated with divinity. But then if you look at the last colour that's often mentioned in this order, it's scarlet, blue, purple and scarlet yarns and fine twined linen. And the reason the colour scarlet is mentioned is to highlight and to emphasise the opposite of divinity, which is humanity. And this is also interesting because if blue is related to divinity because of the heavens or the skies, then scarlet related to humanity because of the colour of the earth. It said that the landscape of the promised land of Israel is scarlet or red because of the earth. And in, and in fact, the first man, Adam, he was given 
that name, not only because the name Adam means man, but also because the root word which came from Adam, the root word of the, of the name Adam means red earth. And as Paul describes Adam in 1 Corinthians 15, Adam was of the earth, earthy. Adam was formed and fashioned from the dust of the red earth and made in the image and likeness of his holy God. Therefore, the scarlet cover that's woven into the veil twined together, it reminded every worshipper that the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, he is able to relate to humanity. He is able to relate to humanity. And so the colour blue was associated with divinity. The colour scarlet was associated with humanity. And then the colour purple, which is the middle colour, and it's often in the repeated order, blue, purple and scarlet yarns, and fine twined linen. The colour purple was the middle colour. Not only because it was a blend of both blue and scarlet. Because if you mix blue and scarlet you, make, you get purple. But also the purple colour emphasised that the king had a mediator. He had a middleman between his people and the other kings and nations. You know that in the ancient world, if kings were going to form a treaty or an alliance with another king and another nation, both the kings would have to negotiate terms and conditions through their mediator. And interestingly, the treaty or the alliance that would be made between these two kings was called a covenant. It was a legally binding contract between two parties, two parties on the same standing, two kings. And it, their agreement was covenanted. It was covenanted with the help of a mediator. And we'll come back to this in a wee while. So the colour blue was associated with divinity. The colour red or scarlet was associated with humanity. The colour purple, the middle colour, was associated with the provision of a mediator. And of course these three colours of blue and purple and scarlet yarns and fine twined linen woven together to form this veil, they all point us to the person and work of Jesus Christ. They point us to Jesus, our tabernacle. Which is why I want us to see, secondly, that the veil twined helps us and encourages us to consider the veil tabernacling. The veil twined helps us to see the veil tabernacling. The veil tabernacling. That's what we're looking at, secondly. We're told in verse 31, you shall make a veil of blue and purple and scarlet yarns and fine twined linen. Now as we read earlier, we read earlier from the letter to the Hebrews. And when the writer to the Hebrews wrote his New Testament letter, when he wrote the letter to the Hebrews, he did so in order to encourage the Jews who had heard the gospel and believed the gospel. He encouraged them not to turn away from the gospel. And the way in which the writer did that was by reminding them and us that all the Old Testament types and shadows that we see in the tabernacle and in many other places, he was to remind us that in these things, Jesus is better. In fact, the writer to the Hebrews says that Jesus is better than the prophets. He's better than the angels. He's better than Moses. 
Jesus provides a better Sabbath rest. He goes through all these different things. He says that Jesus is better than Aaron as the high priest. He provides a better covenant. He even provides a better sacrifice, he says, than all the blood of the bulls and the goats. Because, as the writer to the Hebrews says, by his own blood, Jesus entered once into the Holy of Holies and obtained an eternal redemption for us. And you know, my friend, whenever you feel that the world, the flesh, or the devil is tempting you, always remember, Jesus is better. Jesus is better. That's the only encouragement the writer to the Hebrews could give to Christians. Jesus is better. But what we read in Hebrews chapter 9 and 10 is that Jesus provides a better sanctuary for worship. Jesus provides for us a better tabernacle. Because as, we dis- as we've discovered over the past few weeks, Jesus is the tabernacle. He is Jesus, our tabernacle. He's the word who became flesh. He tabernacled among us so that we might behold his glory. He is Jesus, our tabernacle. And that's what the writer to the Hebrews picked up on. Because he said in Hebrews 9, that through the veil twined, that was twined in the earthly tabernacle, He said, the Holy Spirit indicates to us that the way into the Holy of Holies is not yet opened. But, Hebrews 9 verse verse 11, But when Christ appeared as a high priest of the good things that have come, then through the greater and more perfect tent, not made with hands, that is not of this creation, he entered once for all into the holy places, not by means of the blood of goats and calves, but by means of his own blood, thus securing an eternal redemption. And he goes on into chapter 10 and verse 19 and says, We have confidence to enter the Holy of Holies by the blood of Jesus, because he has opened for us a new and living way through the curtain, that is, through his flesh. Therefore, what the writer to the Hebrews emphasized is that the veil twined is... The veil twined in the tabernacle made from blue and purple and scarlet yarns of fine twined linen. It was only a pointer to the veil tabernacling amongst us in the person of Jesus Christ. In other words, the veil in the tabernacle directs our attention to the veil of flesh that God the Son took to himself at the incarnation. Because when God became man, when Jesus entered into our world, when the word became flesh and tabernacled among us, it was the veil in the tabernacle was directing us to the veil of flesh that God the Son took to himself at the incarnation. In fact, the word incarnation, it literally means the enfleshment of God. Incarnation, the enfleshment of God. And you know, at this time of year, we often think about the incarnation with the birth of Jesus. And it's good for us to think about the incarnation. It's good for us to think about God being veiled in human flesh. Because you know, it's the greatest mystery. The virgin birth is the greatest mystery. Conceived, being conceived of the Holy Ghost and born of the Virgin Mary. It's one of the greatest mysteries in the gospel. The incarnation, the enfleshment of God. God manifest in the flesh. It's the greatest mystery and yet it's the most wonderful provision 
for sinners. Because the thing is, Jesus wasn't always flesh. He became flesh. He became flesh in order to tabernacle among us. But in order to become flesh, Jesus didn't become less divine. He didn't lay aside his divinity or even his glory. No, the Son of God, the second person of the Trinity, he added to his person our nature. He added to his person our nature. There was an early church father who put it uh, this way, far better than I could put it. Remaining what he was, he became what he was not. Remaining what he was, just think about that. Remaining what he was, he became what he was not. So the incarnation, in the incarnation, Jesus tabernacled among us by adding to himself our nature. Remaining what he was, he remained divine. He remained glorious. But he became what he was not. He became human. By taking to himself our nature. He added to himself our nature. You know, it was the greatest act of humiliation. The incarnation, as someone else put it, the incarnation was subtraction by addition. The incarnation was subtraction by addition. It was humiliation by taking our nature. The Son of God humbled himself by taking to himself our human nature. And that's how Paul describes the incarnation in Philippians 2. He says that Jesus made himself of no reputation. He took upon himself the form of a servant, was made in the likeness of men, and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. And so the veil in the tabernacle, it directs our attention to the veil of flesh that God the Son took to himself. At the incarnation. But as we said earlier. These three colours of blue and purple and scarlet yarns. And fine twined linen. Woven together to form the veil in the tabernacle. They all point us to the person and work of Jesus Christ. Because as we said. The blue colour associated, was associated with divinity. Scarlet was associated with humanity. Purple was associated with the provision of a mediator. Of course, they were royal colours, pointing us to Jesus Christ as our King of Kings and Lord of Lords. But they also point us to our person and his person and work. The colour blue ought to remind us about Jesus' divinity, that he's the eternal Son of God. He's the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. The colour scarlet ought to remind us about Jesus' humanity, that he's the sinless son of man who tabernacles among us, veiled in human flesh. And the colour purple, which is a blend of both blue and scarlet, it ought to remind us that Jesus is our mediator. He's the mediator of the new covenant and he's the mediator between holy God and sinful man. And you know, this is the wonder of it all. As our mediator, who is both divine and human. Because he's both divine and human, he is the only redeemer of God's elect. It's only someone who was both divine and human that could redeem 
sinful creatures such as we are. He's the only redeemer of God's elect. And is that not how the catechism puts it? The only redeemer of God's elect is the Lord Jesus Christ. Who being the eternal son of God became man and so was and continues to be both God and man. In two distinct natures and one person forever. He's the only redeemer of God's elect. You know my friend, Jesus our tabernacle is God veiled in human flesh. He's the blue and purple and scarlet veil. He's the divine and human mediator between God and men. He's the veil that stands between the worshipper and the holy of holies. But he's also the veil that was torn. He was torn in order for us to gain access into the holy of holies. And into the glorious presence of our holy God. And that's what I want us to consider in conclusion. The veil torn. So we've seen the veil twined, the veil tabernacling. And lastly, the veil torn. The veil torn. You shall make a veil of blue and purple and scarlet yarns and fine twined linen. It shall be made with cherubim, skillfully worked into it. There's one aspect of this veil that we haven't really touched on yet. And that's the cherubim who were woven into this veil. Now, as we said before, the cherubim were woven into the veil as a reminder of what happened in the Garden of Eden. Because when Adam and Eve sinned, when they fell short of that perfect estate wherein they were created, the Lord drove them out of the Garden of Eden. And then the Lord closed off their access towards their holy God by placing at the east of Eden cherubim along with a flaming sword. And the cherubim were there to guard the way to the tree of life. And since the fall, all the way down throughout the centuries until the arrival of Jesus Christ, mankind was kept out of the holy presence of their holy king. And similarly, many of the coverings and curtains in the tabernacle had cherubim embroidered onto them. We saw that with the outer gate. We saw it with the inner covering of the tabernacle and now also the veil. They were all made from blue and purple and scarlet yarns and fine twined linen with cherubim woven into it. And the cherubim, they were to guard the way into the immediate presence of a holy God. One commentator said, just as the cherubim with a flaming sword would slay anyone who tried to gain access into the Garden of Eden, so too anyone who attempted to enter the Holy of Holies in the tabernacle would be struck down. And you know, that was the warning the veil gave to sinners trying to approach their holy God. It was like this big no-entry sign. Do not go in, because if you go in, you will die. But you know, even though the cherubim woven onto the veil was a reminder of the problem of sin, that came from the Garden of Eden. You know the cherubim were also a reminder of the promise of salvation. Which also came from the same garden. Because you remember that when the Lord drove Adam and Eve out of the garden. He drove them out with a promise. He didn't leave them without hope. He drove them out with a promise. He said the seed of the woman will crush the head of the serpent. And as the writer to the Hebrews reminded us. When Christ appeared, 
He opened for us a new and living way through the curtain, that is, through his flesh. When God veiled in human flesh, when Christ appeared, we're told, when he appeared veiled in human flesh, his flesh was torn and shredded. When his flesh was bleeding with that sin-forgiving and life-giving blood, when his flesh died upon the cross of Calvary, we're told that Jesus, our tabernacle, opened for us a new and living way. And as the gospel writers affirmed to us, it was in the darkness of Calvary when Jesus had been made sin for us, made a curse for us. That's when Jesus cried out, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And when he gave up his spirit, we're told that immediately, immediately, the veil in the temple was torn from top to bottom. And you'll notice the way the gospel writers put it. The veil was torn from top to bottom. It wasn't torn from bottom to top. It wasn't torn a little. It wasn't torn a bit. It wasn't torn halfway. The whole veil from top to bottom, from God to man, was torn. Opening a new and living way. When Jesus Christ died on the cross, God was pleased with the covenant sacrifice of the mediator. And for the first time since the Garden of Eden, God opened up a new and living way for sinners to come in. And you know, for centuries, for centuries the veil twined that hung in the tabernacle and then hung in the temple. It proclaimed to the people, if you come in here, you will die. But you know, the wonder of the gospel is that the veil tabernacling and the veil torn in the person of Jesus Christ. It says to us, if you do not come in, you will die. If you do not come in, if you stay where you are, you will die. And that's why the gospel, that's why the good news of Jesus Christ is an invitation to whosoever to come, to come in, to come to Jesus and find rest for your soul. Because as sinners, we must come through the veil to God's throne of grace. And we must come by Jesus, our tabernacle. And well, God willing, the time has gone. God willing, we'll get there next week. We'll come through the veil and we'll stand before the Ark of the Covenant and receive grace upon grace. So by looking at the veil, we see the veil twined the veil tabernacling, and the veil torn. May the Lord bless these thoughts to us, and let us pray. O Lord, our gracious God, we give thanks to Thee for Jesus, our tabernacle. We thank Thee, Lord, that He came among us, that He was made bone of our bone, and flesh of our flesh, and that even in the flesh He was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities, that the chastisement which brought us peace, O Lord, was laid upon him. O Lord, we thank thee that by his stripes we are healed. O Lord, we bless thee for Jesus, that he is a wonderful saviour who chose to tabernacle among us that we might experience peace with God. Lord, bless thy truth to us. Help us to love Jesus more by considering it. 
Help us to see him as one who is divine, one who is human, but he is also the great mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. A Lord, that we would be willing to share the invitation, that the curtain has been torn, that the veil has been rent, that the way is now open, there is a new and living way in which sinners are invited to come. And Lord, help us as thy people to be willing to invite, to be willing to compel people to come in, that the Master's house may be filled. Lord, bless us, we pray. Remember, Lord, those who are laid aside. Uphold them and strengthen them, that they would know the peace of God that passes all understanding. Lead us then, we pray. Guide us by thy Spirit and go before us. For we ask it in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. We're going to bring our time to a conclusion by singing in Psalm 84. Psalm 84 in the Scottish Psalter. We're singing from the beginning down to the verse marked 5. Psalm 84 from the beginning, page 338 in the Scottish Psalter. How lovely is thy dwelling place, O Lord of hosts to me. The tabernacles of thy grace, how pleasant, Lord, they be. My thirsty soul longs vehemently, yea, faints thy courts to see. My very heart and flesh cry out, O living God, for thee. Down to the end of the verse marked 5 of Psalm 84, to God's praise.
Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all, now and forevermore. Amen.